The Willie Taggart era is among us, and we're here to talk about it. Welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. Joining me is Chris Snee. We're in an echoey room. Hello, hello, hello. So, And we're both punchy. It's been a long day, but we're here to talk about spring practice, our observations, our thoughts. This is kind of like a, well, we're just finishing up the first day of spring practice, and this is kind of like a preview of the spring and the next you know, 14 practices, as, long as, as well as what we've observed today. Uh so what we're going to talk about, folks, is just, one, the culture change that we've observed and have kept hearing about. Uh, I believe that, that you can see the legitimate progress that's being made and, and certainly the attempt to change it. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, we'll go position by position, what we think you should look for and follow this spring, uh, what we kind of expect, and then we'll kind of uh, go into some other things like pro day and hoops at the very end. But this is going to be a spring uh, football-based podcast. So... Chris, uh, let, let's start off with just the general vibe of practice, uh, what you thought. And hey, guys, we had an entire practice open uh, outside of fan days. We haven't had that in, in years, so it's cool that we'll actually be able to provide some insight and, and observations and analysis, not just what we're hearing, but, but what we're seeing. I mean, w- my biggest takeaway was that they were having fun. Yeah. I, and Marvin Wilson, I think, even said, you know, last year it felt like coming to a job. Now it feels like just playing football or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, it felt like work. I, yeah. yeah. No, and not. that was clear with the guys. I mean, Willie was excited when he got to the field. He talked to us beforehand as he made his way onto the field. Mm-hmm. And the minute he hit it, he was ready to get to work. They got to work. There was a good tempo to it, which obviously is a big deal with him. He wants to go fast. Yeah. They're not going near as fast as they want to, but they were going faster than I remember him going in the past. And guys were having fun. The music was playing. A lot of different genres were hit with that. What was your favorite song that was played? I, I'm a Metallica guy, so every time they <laughs> threw that out there, I was I was ready for it. Jethro Tall did not deserve that award. <laughs> um, they cut off the Chili Peppers, which was really pissed me off. I was like, yeah, here we go, a little Californication, and then just, just nope. But they played the stuff that football players want to hear, too, and the guys definitely took to it, and they had fun. They enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. They got after it. It was competitive. We saw a version of kind of the cat-and-mouse game, kind of Oklahoma drill-ish, but it wasn't as physical as the Oklahoma drill. Mike Quamari almost blew out his knee for the <laughs> season during Things are going to happen. But, uh, I mean, they got after it. They had fun. The guys were competitive. There was a clear, like, it, it's wide open. That, yeah. That's the biggest thing I took away is that – even the guy who you know is going to start, like, say, Levante Taylor, for example, is a guy mm-hmm. that I'm fairly confident is going to walk down one of those spots. I don't think he walked into today knowing 100% that that's his spot on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no existence of that. And I think that's important. You're creating a competitive but yet fun atmosphere where you're getting work done, but yet it seems like you're just playing a game of football. Well, two points that you touched on that I'd like to kind of expand on. And one is you mentioned – let's start with the work backwards. You mentioned – uh, jobs are open. Everything's up for a position. Um, our position's open. Willie Taggart was asked about the depth chart today, and correct us, though, it's not really a depth chart right now. It's more of a quote-unquote organizational chart. Yeah, to allow practices yeah. to run in an organized fashion. That's what he means by yeah. that. You know, you can't walk out there and have guys trying to run to the ball and be the first quarterback to take a snap. Mm-hmm. They had kind of a defined order of we're going to go with you and then we're going to go with you, but in no way was it a definition of the depth chart. As much as this is a process for players, I mean, they talked to us about it today, about getting acclimated to the coaches and a new system and just a brand new way of doing things. Uh, this is about the coaches getting you know, accustomed to the players and vetting them and kind of seeing what works where. I mean, we saw that on the offensive line today. They start off with Juwan Williams at left tackle and Josh Ball at, at right tackle. 
And then by the end of the day, it switched. And I'm sure it switched other times and other things, you know, with that, that first group had switched that I didn't even observe. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're going to see that a lot this spring. So, you know, guys, as we write stuff uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, talking about the depth chart or organizational chart or whatever, just know it's fluid. It always yeah. is, but but more so than what it would normally be because there's no preconceived notions. We've written about that so much this preseason, and I can't stress it enough. It's it's a fresh start. Yeah, I mean, a position like linebacker, it's like, good luck. I mean, that was, I, I mean, there was, I think, like four or five combinations with what was, yeah. again, quote, the, fir- the quote-unquote first team. There's, there's guys that we clearly think have a foot up because they've mm-hmm. been here longer. They're more physically developed. They're more comfortable in the college game. But at the same time, Amari Gaynor can just as easily come up that depth chart. Like, it would not surprise me in the least at that position. He, That's he, one of those positions that is truly so wide open because there is no preconceived notion of who deserves it because they did it last year. Yeah, there's nothing to really base off of. I mean, there's a couple hundred snaps that Dontavious Jackson has taken and Emmett Rice has taken in spot duty, but yeah. not as full-time starters. Uh Chris, you also mentioned tempo and, and just the pace and intensity of the practice. So, so guy, when, when we walk in, and for those of you who haven't been to the Florida State practice fields, I assume most have, have at least seen it uh, from the outside. But you go through the arches, and, and, and it's kind of a long walkway up to the practice fields. And you get in, you can see the IPF, and you turn the corner, and there's the outdoor practice fields. Um, and right there, there's a sign that they put, and it looks like a road sign, and it says, Speed Limit Fast, uh, which kind of sets the tone. And then you see all these other signs around the uh, practice facility. Do something. Make no excuses. What's the third? I can't remember what the... Blame no one or blame no one or something. Something along those. So ones. we're seeing messages here, right? I mean, that's that's the thing that they're trying to make habits is, is not to have excuses. Uh, it's about accountability and then fast and and the tempo to, to I think both of us uh, stuck out immediately when they started doing the the team installation drill right away uh, was how fast they were going and what the tempo they were trying to get was and and even after they finished that drill. Uh, there was a coach that yelled out, just just get anywhere fast. Like it wasn't, you know, as they were transitioning from one drill to another, it's not so much right now about being precise with things, and that's eventually where they want to get, I think. But right now they just want guys to be quick in, in a hurry uh, without being rushed, I guess, if that makes sense. They, they want tempo. And it was so weird to see uh, an offense get three plays off in 60 seconds. Like <laughs> we just haven't seen that before, at least at least not here. Yeah, the other thing that stood out to me was I kind of wondered how they were going to do that, especially day one with installation, guys trying to figure out what the heck's going on, coaches trying to figure out who the heck's doing what, mm-hmm. all the moving pieces. And what impressed me was they kind of had it organized in the sense where they would run a rep, you know, if so-and-so screwed up on the rep, whether it's a quarterback, a receiver, a running back, an O-lineman, whatever, on the offensive side of the ball. They would run the next rep, and outside of the O-line, which I think stayed consistent rep for rep for a few times, Every other position basically rotated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it would be Blackman for a couple reps and it would be Hawkman for a couple reps. For example, at receiver, you might see Matthews for a rep or two in a row and then they would switch up to somebody else. Well, when that receiver or that player, that lineman, whoever came off, they would have a conversation with them. And it was very much a teacher talking to a student mm-hmm. more so than a coach yelling at a player type of thing. It's very clear that they understand there's going to be lumps, there's going to be issues, there's going to be. You know, guys have to learn this. And they're not playing with kids' gloves. They're not being, you know, real soft and nice to them. Mm-hmm. But they're also not being rough on them. It's it's very much a stern reinforcement of what we're going to keep doing over mm-hmm. and over and over. But they did a really nice job of, 
even when it was kind of dysfunctional, you know, things weren't going well. Guys weren't necessarily doing the right thing in this moment. Balls were being dropped. It a lot wasn't, of drop it balls wasn't crisp. There was a lot of drop passes. There was a lot of missed throws. There was a lot of botched it, snaps. It, it, didn't come, it didn't come off as discombobulated. Like, what the hell are they doing? Like, yeah. there, there wasn't like, man, they're wasting time or they're just trying to go fast for the sake of going mm-hmm. fast. I didn't come away with that thought. I came away with the thought of we're going to establish that. We're going to push this kind of mm-hmm. tempo. We're going to accept that there's going to be mistakes, and we're going to learn from those mistakes while still playing at a high tempo. Well, it seems to me like so you're trying to teach people. I mean, just think about it if it's not even football. You just to do something faster in life and to do it more efficiently and faster, that's tough. That takes time, right? I mean, think about typing. Like you're trying to learn to become a faster typer, uh, which I am because I type with like basically four fingers. <laughs> and I try to get better as I transcribe and stuff like that and just, just always trying to learn to do that a little bit better. And it, it, it's not something you can... If, if you tr- start trying to type faster, uh, for me, like I start making errors and, and messing up. Uh, so you have to kind of slow down uh, as you process it. Uh, you saw that a lot with the guys today. Uh, learning how to do something quickly is going to take time. Does that make sense? It's going to be an adjustment for them as they learn uh, how to go, you know, 20 seconds between plays or 20 seconds between snaps like uh, playing under control while playing fast isn't easy to do and that's what this staff I think is trying to instill in them is is how you can be in control while still being fast and we saw I think some heads kind of spinning a little bit today which is especially on offense and I think that's to be expected I don't think that that was anything that that shocked us uh, but it was going to be sloppy just just guys mean dropping passes that they normally wouldn't drop uh, and by the end, the offense I thought actually kind of started, you know, making some some splash plays and showing okay, this is what they're capable of. It's just it's going to be an adjustment. Yeah, an example of that is Trey McKitty dropped a ball that he, he dropped a he <laughs> he dropped a few on today, yeah. but there was one that he knew, my lord, like I, yeah. ninety nine out of a hundred times mm-hmm. I catch that ball. He was irritated as heck with himself. It was clear, it was mm-hmm. evident that you know frustrated him. But at the same time, he he quickly got back to the huddle and they quickly ran the next play and he had a not rep after that. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of about establishing a floor for the program, for the offensive system mm-hmm. of it's going to be really, really fast, but it's never going to be slower than this. Correct. And I think that's what today was kind of about. Because yep. you could go everything in slow motion. This guy goes here. This guy moves that way. You could do all that in installation mm-hmm. and then try to speed it up. Mm-hmm. No, nah, they didn't do that. They, yep. they went probably half speed today. Mm-hmm. But it was still faster than a lot of those guys are accustomed to with this offensive attack. It was interesting. We uh, we spoke with James Blackman beforehand, uh, beforehand, uh, and he he was pretty frank. And I mean, I don't think it was he was taking shots, but but uh, someone had asked him about. Well, there's a lot of questions about tempo and and whatnot, and someone asked him about yeah you know, last year. It looked like you guys kind of sped things up a little bit uh, around the bowl game, and you know the coding there is after Jimbo mm-hmm. Fisher left. Um, and, and he said, yeah, I thought we wait. You know, he's like, we did kind of speed things up, but it's not going to be anything like it. It's going to be now. See, but we, we wasted a lot of time in the huddle. I thought that was, you know, for, for 19 years old to have that, to be like, yeah, we to, to sense that and know it's like we kind of bogged down. There's a hunger for this type of, of offense, and it's just it's going to – it's just going to be an adjustment. Like I think that's the main things that, that, that I took away. It was like, okay, this is so different from what it's been ever here. Um, even when they would do the two-minute drills, like that's when it would be the most intense. But the way that this is supposed to go, and how much you know that, that everything is predicated on, on being fast, uh, 
it, it's going to be exciting, I think, once it gets going, but there's going to be that, that learning curve. It's going to be steep. And I think we saw the excitement part of it today. Yeah. When it did click, they had some huge plays down the field. I mean, receivers getting a better, really good DBs. Terry got the better of to, Devonta to Marian, Taylor. To Marion Terry folks. Um, Can do some things. There's, there's flashes. We saw that last preseason, yeah. too. DJ he, Matthews, who I've beat the drum for for yeah. years, uh, he's fun. I mean, he did, gets that ball. Did Marion play it all fast. last year? I've, I've processed last year, buddy. <laughs> I'm just trying to you made me bring it up, but I've processed last year. I'm trying to bait him. Um, but no, the offense had moments, and the running game did too. We saw Akers bust a couple late in the game, mm. or I'm sorry, late in the practice. Yeah. Amir Razul, during that little cat-and-mouse function, had a really impressive play that got a lot of guys really excited. Mm-hmm. So it's clear, you know, you look at the numbers of what Willie's offense has done historically, it's about big plays. It's about getting down the field fast and scoring. And you saw minute flashes of that throughout today's practice. And you got guys like Francois and Blackman who certainly can push it down the field. Yes. So they're going to try to do that. So let's – you mentioned Francois and Blackman. Let, let's do this um, – Lightning round on positions? You kind of, well, it's, I'm going to make it, it – this may be a terrible idea. It's going to be a mashup of, of a position preview while also recapping what we saw today. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's try How some, about it. Some, someone said we're disorganized in our like iTunes reviews, which I probably shouldn't read, but I was reading them and they said we're disorganized. You know what? Screw you. <laughs> Lightning round. <laughs> All right, quarterbacks. You go into uh, to the spring practice here with James Blackman. Has a full year of starting experience, uh, so he's a rising sophomore. By the way, guys, rising just means that's the class they're going into during the spring because it's a weird in between time. You need to just quit reading. Comments. <laughs> it just just pisses me you, off. You go to bed with them. You wake up at five thirty in the morning in a cold sweat over comments <laughs> on message boards. Uh, you got Bailey Hawkman. He's a redshirt freshman. Uh, and he's expected to. I mean, he's going to get a ton of reps this spring because the other guy who I think we we think is going to be in the head-to-head battle legitimately with with James Blackman, uh, DeAndre Francois, is going to be limited this yeah, spring. He's still on one bad wheel. Yep, yep. You can tell. I mean, he was able to push and throw the ball down the field vertically, but I don't think he put as much into it as normal. Uh, he's not going to be doing a lot of the moving around, which is going to be a big part of this offense. So, uh, yeah, he's going to be limited this spring. So he's the, ginger in the lower half right uh, now. He's ginger. No, not not the color, buddy. Like can't move, gingerly. Um, off topic, off topic, off topic. Back on topic. It is. Uh, it's going to be interesting because there's three players there on the position, but re- at the position, but really only two that are going to be, uh, I think, running the full offense. So it's James Blackman. It's Bela Hockman. I, I think James Blackman presents the best combination of what they're looking for in terms of his demeanor and physical skills. And leadership, uh, that demeanor, which is something demeanor. Willie Taggart bangs the drum hard on leadership. He yep. talks about it across the board, but there is no doubt in my mind, knowing Willie a little bit, knowing what he's done in the past, knowing what he's said since he got here, your quarterback's going to be a leader. He's got to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Some, some quarterbacks are and some aren't. Mm-hmm. He wants a leader. James Blackman, in my opinion, out of the opportunities that have been presented to the guys that are currently available on the roster, has presented mm-hmm. the best leadership ability. Yeah, yeah I think that's... That's pretty clear, and there's uh, been some you know, literature with with Taggart where he's I think it was the ESPN article uh, before signing day was pretty uh, pretty upfront about about DeAndre Francois saying what he had to do better, um, you know, essentially saying that the whole you know, missing the, the senior day uh, thing was not gonna not gonna fly going forward yeah. and. And and there wasn't accountability. That's not all DeAndre's, for, you know, Francois's fault. That's obviously that that stems from they're not you know, that being allowed to happen. But the fact that it would be thought to be okay shows issues too. Um. So so Blackman is, I think, the most polished 
yeah. potential leader. Hawkman's good for pushing him. He's yeah. got the right mentality. He's a competitive kid. He's got enough ability to do mm-hmm. some things. So he's excellent in that sense where he will definitely help push Blackman. It's not, you know, you're not conceding it. And with Francois, I think he deserves some praise for getting out there today and actually doing something because he really didn't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, he's on a bad will. He's still in a rehab process. I mean, that dude he wasn't be, expected to do much he, in this spring. He, so the fact he, he was going to get out there, like, day, I, I, to do something. You can say whatever you want matters. about DeAndre. He, and guy's mature. Yeah. Like, just because a guy has not shown maturity in the past doesn't mean they can't be mature in the future. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the point where guys like a Francois or Nooney, for example, Maybe Give them the opportunity. Let's see what happens with a new regime, new people, mm-hmm. a different competitive climate. What happens with those guys? And I'm interested in that with DeAndre. Uh, yeah, they deserve the opportunity, like you said. Yeah. Um, you got to prove it because you do have the, the history of not. But, but yeah, I mean, we all change. We all evolve constantly. That, that's fair. Um, yeah, I was you know, I wasn't surprised to see him out there throwing the ball around because if nothing else, like that dude is tough and that dude competes. Like the, he has his flaws uh, as a player and as you know what you would want, want as a leader at the quarterback position. But he is tough, um, and so it was important for him to be out there. And he delivered some nice throws. Some of the best throws in the seven on seven today came from from him pushing the ball downfield. Which you know, not having a great you know, all the strength you want in that knee to be able to 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 push the ball like that's not easy to do. Uh, I did think Blackman had the most consistent day of, of, of the three. If you look at kind of what, you know, what I think they want to accomplish with the offense, with him making some checkdowns and being comfortable not not pushing the ball downfield. And when he had to, he obviously has the arm strength. There was one pass; uh, it was just a go route, and he missed it. He threw it too far to DJ Matthews, but he put it where only his guy could get it. Let him, and it was really windy outside. But it, it was just like, man, that dude has an arm. I, I think. I think this offense could be a lot of fun with, with, with Blackman, with his mobility, uh, which I think is better than most people would, would think, and then his arm strength, his arm talent. Hockman was fine. He, yeah, he, 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 he's, day one. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, he struggled some with uh, the vertical throws, but like you said, it's day one. So that's quarterbacks. I think it's going to be an interesting – it's going to be a legitimate battle. Um, but I, as of today, I, I think James Blackman is, is – the guy. Um, and I, think, I tend to agree yeah. if I was putting money on it. Yeah. Today. But there's a lot of time, and we're going to have to see how DeAndre Francois progresses, how he does uh, with, with the pressure of having someone legitimately push him, which he didn't have to worry about previously. Um, so we'll see. Running back, listen, I think it's going to be Cam Akers show. And, and, and Patrick's right there with him. He's, Patrick's yep. going to get his opportunities. He didn't come back for no reason. And yep. I, I think they like Patrick, and you want to talk about leaders. Patrick was one last year when there was not a whole lot of them. So I feel confident he'll get his opportunities. The, not, the most refreshing thing at that position is that I think the other guys, the LeBourns, the Rizzoles, the Quandre Whites, Sheffield, they're going to get an opportunity to show something mm-hmm. in different ways. One thing we noticed today was a lot of times they would package a receiver tight end, also sometimes former fullbacks at tight end, and then yeah, a running yeah, back as like a three-man package, and they would rotate those. Mm-hmm. But the running back might not be playing the traditional running back spot. He might be in the slot. Mm-hmm. Same with the tight end fullbacks. They might be in the slot or even sometimes on the outside for a bigger body. So uh, I, I think it's intriguing that we could see two to three running backs on the field at a given time mm-hmm. at times and kind of letting guys, you know, do what they're individually special at doing. You know, LeBorn can do a lot of different mm-hmm. things. He's going to get an opportunity as long as he puts the work in mm-hmm. to play, even though Cam Akers and Patrick are going to eat up a lot of those regular, basic, what you would expect backfield Between carries. the tackle, yeah, yeah. carries, yeah. Um, 
No, I, I agree. I think that there's one, there's a ton of depth there, and it's a great blend of proven depth. You have a senior that you know what he's going to be. That's Jacques Patrick. He's steady. Like you said, Chris, he's a leader. He, uh, he, he, he worked really, really hard last year when there wasn't a ton of help around him on offense. And then you got Cam Akers, who's an exceptional talent. I think that's going to be his, his backfield, but there, there will be touches to go around. Willie Taggart said on Tuesday when we had the, the pre-spring press conference when asked about the running back depth, he, you know, paraphrasing, he said, shame on us if we can't find ways to get those guys on the field. You're going to see a lot more rotating in. Again, this was the first day. We didn't see a ton of you know, running backs involved in the, in the passing game, but that is going to be something that, that I think we, we will see moving forward. Um, and it's going to be a really good group, and it's going to be a group that, that is so eclectic in their skill sets that if the staff is creative, as I think they're going to be, uh, they'll be able to work those guys into the rotation. Not, no pads today, so really not a whole lot to glean from the running backs. I think there wasn't a, a ton there, right? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, and I'll turn to page receivers. Yeah. I mean, we already talked a bit about Terry and Matthews. They both really well, made this, an impression today. This is a thin group. Yeah, it is. is it's only four deep. When Murray went down today, it became three deep real quick. They're using some tight ends and backs there to kind of help with numbers, something that Willie said they would do mm-hmm. when he spoke to us yesterday. Um, and, you know, Terry's going to get his opportunity. He's showing it. Keith Gavin had moments today where he looked like a guy who had improved upon what he was last season. And other moments, he still looked like a guy that had some inconsistencies mm-hmm. last season. Um, DJ Matthews is a special dude. I yep. mean, he, yep. he is elite fast when he goes north-south. His ability to shake people in space and make you know yards disappear quickly, it's pretty unique. And he's tough as they come for mm-hmm. a dude who's built fairly scrawny. And he's yeah. always been that way. He's always been the guy that's willing to co- go across the middle – get lit up like a Christmas tree, pop right back up, clap his hands, and get right back at it. He's always been that player, and he's going to be that player in college. He loves that. And then, uh, you know, beyond them, you know, I'll include Trey McKitty because the tight ends were playing there. Trey had a rough day. I think he'll have better days, plain and simple. Yeah. Alexander Marshall actually had some moments where he flashed, and the guy Pops. who had the best, best day to me, who I didn't expect, was Pop Upshur, Nazir Upshur. He caught every damn ball that came his way except for one that – Hampson Nazarene picked off, and it wasn't Pop's fault that that one got picked. Ball went in the wrong place, and Hampson went and got it. So. I do wonder if there was going to be some limitations physically, like you know, McKinney, you can ask to do vertical stuff and push, you know, kind of push the receiver or the sorry, push the uh, the safeties and, and make them a little uncomfortable. I don't think that's Pop's game, but he did a really nice job on the short and intermediate stuff. So that was that was cool to see because that was something yeah, I admittedly probably written off a little bit. Um, I was thinking he was a guy who who had the you know who could be jumped uh, if he doesn't have a good spring or, or off season. But receiver is pretty pretty thin. Uh, you mentioned DJ Matthews. I think he's going to be a lot of fun working in the slot in this offense. The guy who stole the show today was Tamarian Terry. Uh, he had a couple really nice catches up top over Levante Taylor. And I, you know it's going to be Levante's kryptonite is against a, a big physical receiver like that. He just gives up you know, almost half a foot sometimes. Uh, so that's going to be problematic. But uh, Terry went up and got it uh, on, on a couple plays, including one that kind of bobbled around in double coverage, and, and he flashes at you. Uh, now he's dropped some some passes too, and again, everyone I think had some drops today. I can't think of anyone that didn't. Um, but but when he's on, like that's going to be a guy who you know, under Willie Taggart, there's going to be a lot more vertical shots. It's almost like a three pointer in basketball. Like you, you, you know, it's just it's a more high of, of it. It's a technically a, a more difficult to, to complete, but uh, the high uh, high reward for it makes it something that you're going to see you know, Willie do a lot of. 
Terry's a guy who can stretch the field because he's so fast and he can play the ball in the air and he's so physical. Uh, I'm excited to see how he develops and that's someone they can they can put some polish on to, to make him a player. Uh, you mentioned Nyquan Murray, just so for the listeners, <laughs> he did go down. Uh, he had to put ice on his knee today, or at least it looked like he was holding his hamstring hamstring originally. It was a kind of a non-contact deal, uh, which which you know, the depth at the position is so thin that you can't really afford to lose anyone this spring. That's just going to make it really really tough. Uh, the good news though is he was up, he was walking around and smiling. It seemed you know pretty good after. So I'm not sure what the deal is. We we didn't, weren't able to talk to the coaches after. Uh, Afterwards, so, uh, anyways, that, that's it for wide receiver. I think it's, it's again, it's going to be a group that it's going to get tested a lot this spring because they're going to get worn out. Uh, there's just not a lot of guys there, not a lot of bodies, uh, but you see the flashes of what they can be, uh, especially a guy like Terry and, and DJ Matthews, two of the younger guys. I'm excited to see what what the staff does with them. I think David Kelly's one of the you know, better position coaches in the country. He's, he's really, really sharp and really good at what he does. Yeah. And has I, a lot to work with. I enjoyed watching all the coaches because it's kind of the first time getting to see him do their deal. But David Kelly's a guy who I've been impressed with every step along the way since he got here and meeting him and talking mm-hmm. to him and dealing with him in different facets. And he, uh, he just has a way about his business that I think works. I think kids are extremely receptive to, but I think he's also extremely informative. That dude could have been a head coach. He missed the window for him, unfortunately. Every, every time I watch him in different settings, like speaking about recruiting, uh, you know, like at the war party and things mm-hmm. of that sort, and then again on the field today, no doubt on my mind, he 100% has, he checks those boxes. Yeah, I agree. So offensive line, I think that's one of the positions where uh, – it's going to be damn interesting, and it's going to be interesting for a lot of reasons. Uh, it's just new blood, I, I think, at, at the coaching staff. I won't get too much into the old, but Rick Turkett, I think, got kind of a bad rap, but at the same time, he didn't adapt. I and, think Rick Turkett can coach out of his skull. I think he's yeah. an unbelievable, there's people intelligent that are out there coach, that think he's X's and O's, gets it unbelievably well. The ability for him to do that with the current players he had and for the show on the field, it dwindled, and it dwindled a great deal after the national title. Yeah. And it was a freaking mess last year. Yeah. That's an audit yeah. to say the man's a bad coach. It's just a matter of it wasn't working anymore. He, he, he's, not, he's not an incompetent coach, but the unit he coached became Some, incompetent. I wrote this about Dante Pimpleton, and it applies to Greg Fry, too. Some guys, when you watch them coach, look like they're just not wearing the pads. Mm-hmm. That they're literally just acting like the other guy mm-hmm. among the group and telling you what to do, but they're just not wearing short pads. Greg Fry had that. Watching the way they prepped for work today, you know, warming up, watching what they did with the sled and the offensive quick stuff that they start practice with, mm-hmm. everything involves something that kind of translates to the game. And I was impressed by that. It's something that in the past with the O-line in that drill where they warm up with the offense where it's just, you know, get plays done quickly, mm-hmm. run through kind of like a 15-play sheet. They, uh, they would, you know, come up, run against the air, and finish the play. With this, the O-lineman would come up, hit that sled, and move it, mm-hmm. and then get out in the next O-lineman. Contact. Yeah. yeah, and I just thought that was really impressive, and I thought that Greg Fry, watching him work with that group, is kind of constant energy. And he was getting on him, but, like, he was barking at, I think, Landon Dickerson, you want to be a leader. Like, he, he's kind of identified some guys for what they can be, and I think Dickerson is clearly a guy who can be a leader. I heard him yelling at Cole Minshew, get after it, get after it. And Cole, for the record, looks very good. He looks He looks like he shed a good amount of weight into the ankles in a good spot. He really moved well. He looks like he's capable of being the ceiling of what his ability Mm -hmm. is, which he has never been close to, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Dickerson looked good. 
the tackle spot's going to be an interesting deal with Ball and Williams. I've always been high on Ball. It didn't go great for him last year, but we'll see if maybe there's an improvement there. Williams, ton of athleticism, ton of flexibility. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the strength. I don't know how it will apply to the game. He's a guy that dealt with an injury last year. So we'll see. Looks like Baby on at least for the short term, has made a move from center to guard. Yeah, is it, Alex Eberle wasn't practicing. Yeah. Um Except for doing some snapping, I think, yeah. in the 7 He was seven. taking no contact. Correct. Um, but he wasn't doing a lot of the even the other stuff, too. Uh, anyways, was it Corey Martinez was the first string center or the, on the organizational chart, and then Brady Scott was the second string. Uh, so neither, you know, neither of those guys is baby on Johnson. <laughs> he came here as in, was the number one center in the country in the 2016 class. So, yeah, that was that was interesting. That was different. Yeah. I, I just came away from the O-line group thinking – they have a guy who's going to essentially find five best players that can do the best job for them. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's going to be an interesting process because I think, I think that whole group, all of those guys, will, it will work with them. With Trigger, it was kind of like a break them down, build them back up kind of scenario. I don't see that with Greg as much. I, I see Greg being more like we're going to get the best five. I mean, that, the end goal is always the goal. It's not about like building these guys over a four year span. It's about who the hell do we need right to now. be our five for game one, game two, and yeah. so forth. The whole thing about breaking down like fat guys is they typically come with a little bit more bag, more baggage. And, yeah, and, uh, emotionally, bigger, bigger the body, the bigger chance that you're gonna have bust. There's gonna yeah. be bust anytime well, it's, you deal it's with such big a hard body guys. Way to, it's and, hard to project. And that O line currently out there, in my opinion, is fairly mediocre from a talent standpoint. You know, there's not a whole lot of great depth. There's probably seven really capable bodies, and you got to figure out how you can create out of those seven a good five to put across the front. The amount of scholar we've talked about this before the uh, allocation of resources at that position and the scholarships they put there uh, no. nowhere near the and a lot of guys have left which the you know, piss poor job of spreading it out year after year instead that's, of doing ten well, and one ten and one for that's, the classes that's bad and but then they I mean I think they probably carry more offensive linemen than, than other. You know, Power Five conferences. At least I think that's kind of what they had in mind. A I think there were ago. two, three heavier yeah. when they were at eighteen. Most have no more than fifteen. Yeah, so it's a small, but still, you're, I mean, you're putting investing a little bit more, and just that investment. Again, it's a crap. It kind of makes sense. Like that, that position is a crapshoot for recruiting more so than I think any other. It's the hardest to project, and they did a poor job recruiting it too. They did. They did. And that's a lot of guys that want to come play for. Yeah. You know, the the Joe I mean, Sargent. I like Josh kinda. Ball. I think Josh Ball is really good, but that's the best tackle prospect they've recruited in, since Roger Johnson. Yeah, and and he struggled mightily yeah. last year. And you, it, it's not a matter of you only. The the issue isn't that you recruited Josh Ball. The issue is that you only recruited Josh Ball. Come on. Yeah, he could put his he could put his leg. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, I'm we'll trying see, to do it right now. We'll Look see. It. We'll see what Juwan can do, but it's just a matter of they've done a poor job. You need to stockpile, and they did a very poor job of stockpiling. Yeah, especially at the tackle. Very position. spread out and and tackled, and then they yeah. were way too obsessed with turning everyone into centers instead of finding somebody that could play damn left tackle. And the issue which is, is most too, important is, is on that this line. past class. I don't I don't know. I mean, it's too developmental. Guy, we talked about that before well, the, too. The year they took Brady Scott, Rick Trickett got on stage and talked about how the next class was great. No, the class that Brady Scott was in was great, and they only took Brady Scott. Mm-hmm. Process. Moving on. No, I, the, the reason the O-line we watched today is mediocre is because of past goes. I, I think they're going to be... That's I, not me trying to trounce on the phone. Like it's just a matter of that's why the roster at that position I, is I agree. not very impressive. And, and to your point, I like what they have in the interior of the line. I'm curious I to see too. if like if you can maybe I get... I also think Willie Taggart's system allows you to kind of 
hide some deficiencies on the O-line. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you don't need to withstand five to seven seconds exactly. consistently for ready. 60 points. That's going to help a lot. Um, we'll see. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching this spring to kind of see who, who can do what. So, And as far as us evaluating what we saw today, um, we can tell you how they looked physically. But they wanted pads. <laughs> there's nothing to really glean from it. Which All is right. the same for the D-line. Moving on to the D-line. They look nice, but they're not in pads, so they're not out there. Moving. I will say this. Marvin Wilson's ready to kill people. Marvin looks like the dude that you recruit to be so, the five star. So they're doing the the drill where they hit that the, the what is it? and it's not the tackling dummy. It's like the spring dummy. And you can yeah. hit it and you push it up and it makes a ching sound. Uh, and he had everyone going. You liked that, didn't you? That's why Odell calls you the guru. That's what he calls you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't want to know what he calls me. But so when they, when they hit, so they had three or four guys go and do it before Marvin and. No, it's just, just not he was not happy today. He's yelling at everyone, he's yelling at his GA. He was just just I think it's part of him ratching up ratching up intensity. Anyways, uh, a couple of guys went. I think Cedric Wood was one, Durbin uh, was another. Made him go over and do it like three or four times, just not happy with it. Marvin goes up, does it, just annihilates the thing, throws it up in the air, puts it back down. Good job, Marvin. That was that was it. There was the one. Well, it's all about get low and hit it with leverage and, and you can drive through and Marvin can do those. They things. Have, He's built to do that. They've talked him up quite a bit this preseason. He's a guy that, that things have clicked for him. The way he walked on the practice field today and talked to the media yeah. and the way he handled himself in that conversation smelled entirely of a guy who's 100% confident he's ready to go do what he can. he's capable of doing. By the end of the 2018 season, this could be his defense. Yeah. Like, it could be. Him beside Christmas. It's going to be fun. Is That yeah. says nasty, big human body front. Um, it looked like Corey Durden, this guy we heard some good things about this preseason. His, his, his body, body yeah, well. and that's that's been interesting. I'm trying to think of who else there. It kind of sucked, like, over, like, on the side. Like, you had Derek Mitchell, who was a guy who was a good defensive tackle, and injury cut his career short. And then uh, Darvin Taylor was there, too, and it felt really bad just seeing him yeah. with his shoulder. And just but. um Still, despite you know, I think all the you know some some of the things they've lost in past years, uh, Odell continues to stockpile a really good group, and this one looks like it's going to be really good. So much so that that they've moved Wally Amy. Looks like the defensive end, which you've been harping on for like a year and a half now. Yeah, the minute they took Dennis Briggs as a big defensive end, mm-hmm. I was pretty convinced that a guy like Wally Amy was ready to make that move, which he he flirted with truthfully more two seasons ago than last year. Yeah, correct. And. I never. I don't know that. why they never made the full move. I mean, he's a more talented player than uh, Jalen Wilkerson, who handled that role. And Jalen did a good job at it, but Wally's got a little more athleticism to that big body. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting. It, it works well. They're going to have the flash, which is Brian Burns, speed rush, you know, field side, and then they're going to have the big, the beast side, which is more the Wally well, Amy's it's, of the world. It's, it's flash and beast. I don't know if they're going to call the other oh. one beast, but the other one's big, the other one's flash. They okay. do call that the field flash. side flash. I don't know what their <clears throat> nickname for uh, the B side is. They've got some interesting nicknames on the defense side. I still have to figure out exactly what they're talking about. I think one's called Zeus, for example, but I don't know the specifics on those quite yet. But uh, the the big side, it's going to be interesting. You have you know him. We'll see how Janarius comes along. Kane didn't participate today, but I obviously expect big things from him. Brian Burns is going to be kind of the centerpiece of the defensive end position. Mm-hmm. Trey Lawson's very much thinned out, but he's quicker. 
um, than he was a year ago. But I think I don't know how great his strength will be off the edge. He's still a guy that they're not going to have to rely upon. Yeah. It's still kind of thin, but I don't think they need a ton of bodies at that position um, as long as the top three to four really carried away. We'll, yeah, we'll see. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, the depth isn't going to be great this year, but especially the springs. But I don't know what Kando's deal is. We we didn't get word. I mean, it didn't look like anything too bad, but he was on the sideline. Yeah, he, jog, he, was, he, was he jogged around. He was in good spirits. Yeah, I don't know. What I, I couldn't get a read on it. No braze. No uh, not what I don't think cut I that I could see. Doesn't seem like anything uh, too too big a deal. But, but Lawson, I thought, was maybe, aside from Amy being over there, I thought Lawson was probably the biggest surprise. It's like, oh, like he, he's not only shed the weight, um, but he looked good carrying it. Like he looked comfortable. And, and last year, when you saw him in the in the preseason, man, he he looked really just gawky and not really sure of himself. That that seems to be going in the right direction. So I'm not sure if that leads to anything this year. But but that's progress. That's that's positive. Uh, we get on defensive line. Yeah. Good? All right. All right. Let's move. Now we get to talk about linebacker. Where what the? Tits? I, I'll, I'll give you the exact answer. I have no clue. I mean. I just I don't I'm know. flipping open my notebook to like, try to get a read on There's it. talent there. I like Leonard Warner, Josh Brown, Emmett Rice when he gets healthy, which he didn't participate today. I doubt I doubt he's a big scar over his knee, which yeah, we, but I he was I no brace, walking around fine, which was a good yeah. sign for how bad the injury looked when he did it. But uh Leonard Warner, Josh Brown, Kalen Brooks, Dontavius Jackson, and then Amari Gainer were the five guys that I would say I saw do something at that position. Uh, Adonis Thomas looked good uh, in some of the seven-on-seven, I think, dropping into coverage, but that's more his strength is the range. We'll see with the pads with him. Warner's got probably the best body of anybody at that position. He looks like – when he came – when we saw him last preseason, he reminded me of of like an Alabama linebacker, those big, bulky strikers that have some surprising range. That's what he looked like. And it looks like he – man, I I think he's going to play a lot this year. Yeah. but that position is the most wide open, go get the job position on but this team going into the spring. It's the entire position group. It's not yeah. just one or two. It's like all three spots on it. I bet if you ask Raymond Woody who his two favorites are at the position, he would probably laugh at you and say he has no clue. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be that's gonna be probably one of the more interesting. That like what happens this spring, I think is gonna set the groundwork. But it's actually kind of a big deal because uh, they're trying to I think get an idea of what the rotation is gonna look like. Gainer looked good a couple times in space. Again, no pads. I, mean, I don't I don't know, but you know you want a a guy who you recruited because he's you know the space eater to eat space, and that's what he did. He looked really good dropping in the flats and and, and coverage. Um. All right, that, that, I mean, I can't that, clean my, yeah, That's I mean, linebacker, guys. Like I said, so, I don't know. <laughs> uh, defensive backs, I think we can take a little bit more away from. Um, Damn good. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them. Hey, guys, Stanford Samuels, the third. Yeah. Um, Let me just say that Stanford Samuels bought into FSU when they didn't play press coverage, which may be his greatest strength among many great strengths. And holy hell, watching him press a dude is a fun experience. If he's not, if he's not a second round draft pick in two years, right? Two years, yeah. He's a second round. Why? Why are you not giving the dude? Chance yeah, I don't know. Round? How's he gonna? T- maybe he's gonna. If he's not a he second rounder, better. He, he's a stud. I'm sorry, he's only gonna make seven million dollars on his first contract instead of ten. Chris, like, I'm just, I'm, you know, fine. If he's not a first round draft pick in the next two years, his whole coaching staff deserves to be fired. He's good. Is that what you want? He's trying to be nuanced. He's really, really good. And so we got some companies that rank him a five star, including I think ours, which is absolutely idiotic. But I digress. Dum dums. But. 
Stanford is a stud. He is, he loves press coverage, and he's great at sticking on the hip and playing the ball in the air and getting downfield. And he's competitive, and he's a dude that takes to coaching. He loves playing football. He checks every damn box. If him and Levante aren't your two guys at the corners, I'll be surprised. Yeah, no, Hamza, I think, is going to be one of the safeties. And yeah. then the other spot, I think, is going to be a bit of a rotation. We saw that today. Would be made a little bit of an impression. Mm-hmm. We saw Westbrook some. Uh, and then Kyle Myers and Cyrus Fagan also kind of factored into the mix when they went to different looks. Yeah, I thought Myers well, Myers looked good. He's a guy who struggled last year, and I thought he flashed a little bit. Now there's some debate, Chris, and I don't know who got the interception. There was an interception where Myers filtered a, a receiver the, to Fagan, and uh, the whole going away from single digit numbers threw us for a loop with numbers. I still was we had kept, our moment. Who the hell is 19 in the backfield? It yeah. was Jacquez Patrick, but they just kept really screwing me up. Yeah, that that was. Uh, Although, in all fairness, I don't think either of those guys would have won single-digit numbers anyway. No, right? they weren't, but I just I, – I got rattled. My confidence with numbers got shaken early in the day, and I never recovered. <laughs> yeah, those Levante Taylors were in 28. I'm like, man, Malik Jackson really, you know, added some bulk. Um, I think with Kyle Myers, I think he is a guy that lost confidence last year, especially mm-hmm. in the second half of the season. Yeah, because he, got, he legitimately got worse yeah. from his freshman year to soft. Like, he, he, he regressed. It will be interesting to see how he handles it. And I'm also interested in what role does he play. Because mm-hmm. he could play a lot of different spots in this defense. He could be a reserve corner. He could be a slot guy. He could be even a safety. Well, that, that's what I liked uh, today. And I saw, again, no pads, but, like, they were practicing some of their their screen game. Uh, and he did a really nice job squaring up the wide receiver and pressing him and not letting him get in. He, he didn't get pushed back at all. And was able to you know, force some of the the, you know, the blocker to, to not get any space and hence no space for the receiver that caught the ball and pushed him out of bounds. Like he did that a couple times. And I was like, oh, man, that's uh, – that physicality was was something. So yeah, he was he, he was someone that kind of stood out to me today that I wasn't really uh, necessarily like, expecting a ton from. He he looked good. Um, going back to Stanford Samuels, I missed the the play of the day I'm recording, uh, which was Tamara and Terry's like bobbling catch that I tried to explain earlier. I missed that because I was posting a video of, of a white walk on wide receiver. Uh, I don't have the name in front of me. He was a kid from like no no. He actually had a really nice day. Chris he did. He Chris did. won't let me write about him because he, he's he doesn't. Not on scholarship. Yeah, he, that's the rule. We can't write about him until they're on scholarship. Um, but he actually did have a really nice day. Uh, I wish I had my roster. Oh, well. Um, but the second, I think, most impressive play of the day, I did catch on tape, and that was just Stanford Samuels beating up Keith Gavin on, in press coverage. Samuels is a bigger dude, what, 6'1"? I mean, he's, yeah, he's, but he's really long-armed, yeah. and he's got a great punch. Um, and, and he went up against Gavin. And he, he's too, a kid that grew – his dad's an excellent football mm-hmm. player. His dad was a great football player before he had his injuries at FSU. His dad's also a very good coach. coach yeah. And it, it's abundantly clear the genetics mashed and, with the coaching is there. With and the dad's son. cocky, too, in a good way. Like, oh, yeah, he, yeah. He, he knew he was good at football. Yep. He had no issue uh, telling but, but he proved it when he stepped out there. And that say, definitely translates to his son, yep, without a doubt. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but Keith Gavin tried to get off a press on him, and, and that dude – we had Keith Gavin, and Keith Gavin is 220. And Gavin had a couple of nice plays today, too, by the way. But, um, yeah, Levante Taylor, I think, I mean, you're, you know what you're going to get out of him. He's a dog, man. Like, he he takes pride in that. Contract year. Yep. This is money year for him. He's, you know, we like the PFF metrics because I'm a nerd on, on those 24-7, and they uh, they were very favorable towards You're a nerd everywhere, not just on the website. Uh, I love you. I like Jaden Woodby. I thought he looked comfortable out there. He belongs. He's someone that's going to – I love you too. He you looks like for, you some, mean for a kid who should be going to prom right now. He looked pretty good on the college. Football he's gonna player. he's gonna be a college football player, and he's gonna be a good one. Yep. Thanks, Ohio State. We 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 were we were. I was informed by the coaching staff that we 
no, or that 24-7 sports messed up by having them as a four-star. <laughs> they, they, they like what they have there. And your response should be, I don't do the rankings. That's what my DM message is uh, to recruits. I mean, I, like, I don't ranking. pay attention to recruits until they're committed to Florida State. To my favorite them. was when a kid asked me why he's ranked what he is ranked, and I asked him, what are you ranked? I don't know. <laughs> um, anyone else in the... Nah, special teams is still special. I didn't really pay him much mind today. There were there were you guys do care who's re, who's returning punts? Everyone. There's like six or seven of them. It was cool. There's a bunch of different coaches working on special teams and. Uh, Alonzo was quite hands on with special teams. I did take notice of that. I kind of mm-hmm. you know was watching to see how much he would float around. He did some of that too, where he kind of acted as like a helper with other positions at certain times within the practice. But in general, he was there you know dealing with the special teams. We've been doing this for forty five minutes. Sweet it's a, Jesus. It's amazing when you get to watch a full practice. I know. There's actually it. information. And we get to watch another one on Friday too, right? That's going to be fun. Um, so summing up spring practice or the, the first spring practice and our spring preview, like there's a lot of groundwork that needs to be placed. Um, it's clear what the vision is for, for Willie Taggart and what, what he wants to do. We talk about you know, being fast. We talk about instilling confidence fun uh competition all those things were really evident but based on the drills they had when when guys make a play downfield or a defense you know defense makes a play like the coaches are getting in on the celebrations with the players it's clear that they're trying to repair i, I think what, what was a damaged psyche and, and players kind of alluded to that today i mean frankly i mean like we said with, with with big marv like he he said like it felt like work last year it didn't feel fun it's it, it's a combination this is a business this is something where players, you know, know what the end goal is. You come to Florida State to go to the NFL and get an NFL contract. I mean, you also want to get an education, but, but let's be honest. If you come to Florida State, like, that, that's a realistic shot for you at that point. Some life. are majoring in just football. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with with that unless you're the NCAA. But Go make yourself uh, your money. Most logical people would say there's nothing wrong with that. I guess my point being it was so businesslike previously, and that worked for a while. Uh, but to the point where that's all it was was businesslike, and it just wasn't fun. Man, is this college football still at its core? Like these guys want to have fun, like it was in high school. Um, we're tr- starting to see that a little bit now. Is this the honeymoon phase? I do wonder. Again, you know, it's going to be dog days this summer. Where everyone's just sick of seeing each other. If you lose a game, you know things change. But right now, uh, the culture shift is evident of yeah. what they're trying to do. So I thought that was my my takeaway. I think we're on the same page there. Uh, real quick, do we want to talk about pro day or sixty seconds? All right, go. On pro day or uh, you, basketball? You go basketball, I'll go pro day, and then, we'll, then you can end it because I can't finish. On basketball, I'm shocked they beat Xavier. I'll own up to that. Extend Ham's contract! Um, but, you know, Trent Forrest is a really good basketball player in the last, like, seven minutes of that game. was unbelievable how well FSC played because they really didn't play very well for the first 30 of it. Um, really competitive. C.J. Walker obviously struggling. M.J. Walker obviously struggling. Chris Kumaji got picked on by Cantor. But beyond those guys, I thought it was a really good team effort. And those guys also did things to help them along the way and win. But it was a guy like Trent Forrest, Savoy, with a huge shot. You know, they're going into a game against a Gonzaga team that's excellent at passing the ball, doesn't turn it over a How'd lot. You pronounce makes, it? I'm not, uh, I don't okay. do pronunciations. We know this. <laughs> um, with the Zags, you know, it, for FSU, it's going to come down to I think FSU needs to be a really physical bunch with them. I think that would throw them a little out of whack to the game they play. And FSU also has to be extremely active in passing lanes because they are a team that will pass it. They'll make that extra pass with two seconds left on the shot clock and then drain that three on you. That breaks your back. And that's where you got to stop them. Do you know who uh, Florida State could play in the Elite Eight? 
Texas A&M. Or, Processed. Or, or, no, that's it. That's all we care about. The or doesn't matter. If Texas A&M Florida State matchup happened, how great would that be? And would Jimbo and would Jim, and would Jimbo Fisher be required to buy a booster to go there and watch the game with the cowboy hat and the collie by his side? Okay, talk about pro day. <laughs> uh, pro day, listen, um, not a huge turnout, right? Like for, for like not as much as maybe we thought. Not every team, only thirty out of thirty-two. Yeah. Uh, not think, some defensive coaches. Was there a head coach? I don't think there was a head coach. Jason Licht was there, GM. Jim, uh-huh. uh, for the Bucks, yeah. and then you had multiple defensive coaches, Terrell Austin. Who's a DC? I believe for what the Bengals, the Ravens DC. I believe was there. A couple D line coaches. Uh, seemed to me that the main attraction. Everybody obviously knows about Derwin and whatnot. I think Josh Sweat was yeah. truthfully the main attraction mm-hmm. of the day. Yeah, because it's kind of everyone wants to see if he's real. And, and guess what, guys? Like taking off that knee brace. Uh, that add that to our what the hell podcast that we're going to do eventually. Uh, is, is how the hell was that athleticism not evident for the last three years? Uh, yeah, I think he's working himself into the first round. I think we're seeing that. So that was cool. Uh, I thought Auden Tate probably helped himself by looking natural as you know, as, as a receiver. I don't Still know. Slow. Yeah, I mean he's he's not going to be a burner. I think if you, I mean I don't know what his final time was. If he shave it, I didn't see anything about his time. I didn't see anything written about his time. He's never going to run a fast time, but his body control is outstanding and he catches. McFadden apparently helped himself a little bit. Uh, I think he kind of that stock was was free falling. I think he kind of rescued that, resuscitated it. Probably a fourth round guy with with maybe you know someone falls in love with him. Takes him in the third because he's lengthy and, and passes the eye test. Um, so so maybe you have that. Other than that, I don't think there's a whole lot more to go off of. Uh, Chris, someone just texted me and said that the observation article that, that you did and I assisted with was boner central. So on that, I think that's a good note to end the podcast. Do you? Sure. Guys, thanks for listening. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. Check out Knowles 24-7 for uh, – Spring coverage will have open practice on Friday as well. Chris is literally getting up and leaving as uh, the podcast is ending. I have to go pick up my kit. Yeah. Go give us a, a five-star review on iTunes. That's apparently something that helps. Uh, be nice to me on the message board. I'm sensitive. Right. And, Write uh, sweet comments to Sanon. You can be an asshole to me. I'm cool with it. Bye.